Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. Psalms 92, verse 12 through 15. If you got it, say, I got it. If you need a moment, say, wait on me. I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. i got a lot to talk about, so we can talk about these things. Amen. God has just been so good. It's been so good. This Wednesday night, this Wednesday night with Brother Arrow, our family fit night, uh, we will be uh, working it out. <laughs> I, we should play that video of our kids and how they are just, are just getting stronger and just doing all that they can do. Amen. And so we're going to do it, to do it this Wednesday as a family, as a family, family fit night. God bless Pastor Cole and his lovely wife, Georgia Cole. God bless you. They've had some moments where they've been traveling and carrying the word of God, but I'm just so thankful for that precious family. And I just know God is going to do something very unique for us together. Amen. Amen. Psalms uh, chapter 92, verses 12 through 15. It says, and I'll read from the NIV, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord. Somebody say the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Verse of emphasis that we really want to kind of focus on today is verse 13. Planted, they that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Let's Breathe a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that brings light and life, and we pray today that you will be glorified, that your word would live big in all of us so that we can boldly declare that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I was a, a kid, uh, let me give you my, my title. Uh, still in this Help Wanted series, we want to talk today about lives devoted to the house of God, lives devoted to the house of God. Can you say that with me? Say lives devoted to the house of God. Amen, amen. I remember when I was a kid, they, they would oftentimes, even as we have, uh, have students that are graduating this, 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 this upcoming year, but they would always ask, how many people would always hear this question coming up in school, uh, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Amen. We still ask these questions today. Um, and I found something very interesting because I would always hear this time and time again. We would always hear children say that they wanted to be a fireman when they grew up. I mean, there was some, Chris, Chris is shaking his head. He understands Brother Rodney served on the Detroit Fire Department for how many years, Brother Rodney? 26 years. Can we give him a hand? I mean, we always would hear so many people talk about they want to be a fireman. I mean, there was something very heroic, I guess, that came along with uh, 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 saving lives, pe saving people from burning buildings and, and, and driving a big red truck. 
sliding down the pole when the alarm went off. I mean, it was just something fun. I guess they just keep, most kids just wanted to be uh, uh, a fireman, a firefighter. But I did, I, I came across this article that I thought was very, very interesting. Did you know that out of over one million firefighters in the United States of America, this is going to blow you all away. Out of one, over one million firefighters in the, in the United States of America, serving families and businesses, only 31% of them get paid. Y'all looking at me real strange like, what? Oh yeah, no, this is, this is verified data. Out of over one million firefighters who serve their neighborhoods, only 31% of them get paid. That's right. 69% of firefighters are volunteers. Wow. 98.3% of the fire departments in the state of Delaware are comprised of volunteers or mostly volunteers. In the entire state of Delaware, 98% of the people that put out fires and save people from burning buildings are volunteers. Whew. In this article, they begin to interview one of the firefighters who was a volunteer. And they said, why do you put your life at risk for free. And this was the response. Because we love our neighbors. Because we love our neighbors. You know, every Christian, every born again believer, is called to sacrifice to serve others. Every last born-again believer is called to sacrifice to serve others. It's not just the role of a paid minister to do it. It takes all of us. So how do we get to this type of mindset? How can we as a church serve our communities at a time when it's most at risk? The answer is we have to stop coming to church and we have to start being the church. And not just being the church, but we also have to take an active role in building the church. Thank all one, two, three, four of you for clapping. Listen, go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Are you with me? Shout amen. Well, that wasn't too good of a shout. If you're really with me, shout amen. amen. Matthew chapter 16. Let me just show you this real quick. Matthew chapter 16. 
Do we have it up on the screen? Oh, yeah, we have it up on the screen. Listen, this is Jesus talking, and he says this. And I tell you that you are, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The gates of hell, in other words, King James Version is the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, and upon this rock, upon this rock. What is the rock? What is that rock? The rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. That's the rock. The revelation. So who is Jesus to you? Because he's saying that, hey, listen, upon your revelation of who I am, that's what I'm going to build the church upon. So we have to have a real revelation of who Jesus is. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, the righteous will flourish. Because of him, we stand in a, in a, in a better position to flourish. We will flourish. Since becoming pastor of what I feel is the greatest church in the land, I have, I, I, I've begun to develop, Sister Emma, um, a strong desire for two passions. Two passions have really become thrust to the forefront of everything else. I mean, and, and I, love, I love leadership, I love business development, I love marketing, but these two things have really kind of thrust itself to the forefront. Let me get what these two things are. Number one, building the house of God. That's my passion. I want to build the house of God. And we do that through reaching sinners, raising believers, and releasing leaders. The second passion, very close to it. The second passion is this. I want to develop other leaders who have a passion to build God's house. Why? Because I can't do it all by myself. Come on, Brother Ray. I can't do this by myself. So in order for me, in order for me to uh, achieve passion number one, I have to do what we call in corporate America, and that is increase my capacity. Oh, well, Pastor, you know, you know, with the Lord, anything is possible. Let me tell you something. God couldn't even, God himself, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, recognized this job is too big for one man. Let me go and seek out 12. And he's God. I mean, he was Jesus. I mean, the winds obey him. The waters obey him. And even he knew, I can't do this by myself. Look at somebody and say, help is wanted. And see, I struggle with this a little bit because we really were going to call this help needed. But see, there's a difference because, see, there are some people, once you say need, they would do it purely out of 
their love for you. And I don't want you to do anything out of your love for me. I want you to do it out of your love for him. Because listen to me real good. Listen to me real good. Um, when somebody says they need you to do it, you can be like, oh, I got to go do this. I got to go serve as an usher on Sunday. I don't want to, but I got to go do it. And you come here dragging. Come here and be here at 930. People don't show up to 1030 and service start at 10. And you do it grudgingly only because they said they needed you to do it. But when you've fallen in love with Jesus, and when you really understand that he's the best thing that's ever happened to you, it's not something that you gotta do, it's something that you get to do. Oh, me and Jesus, we're getting ready to change the world. Me and Jesus, we're getting ready to turn this city upside down. Me and, come on, is there anybody in here that's ready to do something because of all that he has done for you? There's nothing too high, there's no task that's too low that will stop you from doing what God has called you to do. We should come skipping through the doors. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. It's not I gotta do it, it's I get to do it. After all he's done for me, when I look back over my life and I think things over, come on somebody, come help me in this place. Everything I do, I do it out of my love for him. Everything I say, I say it out of my love for him. Every place I go, I go because he tells me to go. I do it because he tells me to do it. I show love because he, he first loved me. Bill Hybels, one of the great pastors of our land today, he says, put that up on the, he says, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Christine Kane, she's a world evangelist, mentored up under Joyce Myers. She said this that I felt was pretty powerful. Listen to this. She says, I want to spend my life building what God builds. The local church is not an enemy to your destiny. It is the vehicle through which your destiny will be fulfilled. In my life, by the grace of God, I have had the opportunity to minister around the world and increasingly so. But that has, become, that has come because I'm totally submitted to my local church. While some of my friends were out running around chasing a ministry, I was building my local church and God gave me a ministry. Stand up, Brother Errol. Turn around, let him see you. Anybody here single, he's single. Let me just tell you something. He's, he's a fine young, he's a fine young man. But, 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 but listen to me. Brother Errol, he came to me and said, Pastor, I want to be 
a motivational speaker. I said, and you can do it. Because we need more people that's going to take the concept of this word and not want to come take my position because I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> but he said, I want to go into the schools, middle schools and high schools and corporate America, motivating people to be the best that God has called them to be. And he tells me, he's like, and you know, they may not know, but they're going to get Jesus. I said, well, Errol, listen, that's cool, but listen, there's... <laughs> and you know what I did? I said, all right, you want to be the world's greatest motivational speaker. I'm going to give you a job here in the local church. You're going to motivate our kids on Wednesday night. And for the last five weeks, can I just tell you something? For the last five weeks, this brother has been dedicated. I'm talking about when four and five kids only show up. He's there. He's ready. He's, he's on his post. He has his lessons together. He's prepared. And he's doing what he is supposed to be doing right here in the local church. Right here in the local church. Because this will prepare you for that. I'm doing what I'm doing today and I love what I do. <laughs> we talked about this on Wednesday night with the wingman group and I tell you the wingman group is something else. We talked about this Wednesday night when we began talking about what is it that God has called you to do that you know you can't die without doing what this particular thing is. And after I went around the room and asked them all and they said, what about you, pastor? And I said, I'm doing it. My only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Because let me just tell you something, I love this. I love this. I love helping people. I love teaching and preaching God's word. It's an absolute passion of mine. I love building people up. I love showing people and help coming alongside them and not just doing church, but doing life with them. It fuels me up. It's a passion. I love building God's church. I love building people who have a passion to build God's church. What is your passion? What is your passion? What drives you every single day? What burdens your heart in the midnight hour where you get up and you're thinking about it? And can I tell you something too? When you really begin operating in that, God has benefits when you begin doing the job that he's called you to do. I mean, his benefit package is off the hook. I mean, you thought your job had a good benefit package. You thought a little 401k, you know, and, and, and then when they match it, oh Lord, when they match it, oh dollar for dollar, that, I mean, that's almost unheard of, but if they're doing that, I mean, that's amazing. But let me tell you about the benefit package of God. You know one of, one of his first premier benefits? is God's presence. 
His presence is a benefit. Psalms 26 and 8, it says, Lord, I love thy, thy house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Not only do you get his presence as a benefit, but you also get his protection as a benefit. Psalms 27 and 4, it says, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gain on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple for in the day or in the time of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling place. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Not only do you get his presence, not only do you get his protection, but you also get his provision because Psalms 36 and 8 and 9 says thy feast on the abundance of your house House. You give them drink from your river of delights, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. The benefits of God, and that's just a few of them. His provision, his protection, and his presence. But let's zero back in on our text, Psalms 92, verse 13. It says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. I shared this with some of our leaders some time ago on a Wednesday night, and several of them came to me and said, Pastor, listen, I know, I know this was kind of for the leaders, but the entire church needs to hear this. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just going back and I'm just rehashing some of the stuff that the Lord placed on my heart early on when I stepped into this role because I think that, it's, that they're right. It's important that we all get on the same page with this, that we all have our, have our lives devoted to the house of God. Planted. See, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. Somebody say Flourish in the courts of our God. There's two key words, two key words here. Planted and flourish. Somebody say planted and flourish. Planted means to set firmly in position. To set firmly in position. Position. When you set something firmly in position, it's not going nowhere. Flourish means to grow well, to thrive, to prosper. See, when you are flourishing, your thought life is thriving. Your family is thriving. Your finances are thriving. Let me ask you a question. Is it an option for the believer to flourish or is it a responsibility? Come on, talk back to me. It's a responsibility. Matter of fact, 
It's an obligation that we flourish. It's an obligation. See, I have to get, I have to get growth into our minds. I have to get growth and increase into our minds collectively. I have to do that. I have to do that because where we are going, we have to expand in order to meet the demand. We have to expand in order to meet the demand. It's, it's imperative for what God has called us to do. Our vision, our vision is very clear. And we talked about the vision at the town hall meeting. That's the mission, but the vision is, but, but, but the vision is very clear. Through our multicultural approach to God's word, worship, and relationships, we will reach and touch one million people with the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. In order for us to effectively reach that type of vision, the vision speaks of a desired future, a desired scope of where, we want, of where God wants us to be. If we are to reach that, let me just tell you something. We have to expand. We have to grow. We have to increase. This is a part of building God's house and being an active participant in building God's house. So why you should flourish? You should flourish because of alignment. When your life is in alignment with the word of God, you will flourish. I'm going to say it again. When your life is in alignment with the word of God, you will flourish. You absolutely will. I've I, I shared this testimony before. Just recently, Courtney and I, we had a desire in our heart to want to Move, get into a better neighborhood, better schools for our daughters. And, and we can do the school of choice, and as a matter of fact, we're doing it right now, but you know, th there's some limitations with that whole process. And I'm a believer, I want my tax dollars to fund where I live and the, the area around and all that. It's just a civil responsibility that I have of myself. And so we got together and we began to come together and say, listen, we wanna operate in agreement on this because there is power in agreement. There is power in agreement. Somebody say there's power in agreement. So we had a very long talk and we began talking through our finances and we, we there, there, there was a point in time when I was off of work and you know, accumulated some debt and we knew we needed to pay it off. We knew we needed to address it. And we came together and we said, okay, this is gonna be the plan. This is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna make sure that every single penny is accounted for. We laid out our budget and we made sure that every single time any type of money was spent that we were gonna confer with one another to make sure that we weren't missing anything. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? 
we entered into the power of agreement. When we did that, when we literally made that our decision, we had focused and purposed in our minds that this is what we're going to do. I received a call, not even 24 hours from the time that we prayed and purposed in our hearts together that this is what we're going to do. When we purposed in our hearts that we were going to operate under the, uh, 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 under the power of agreement, I got a call not 24 hours later. It says, and, and, and I mean, it, you know, said to me, this may sound strange. This may sound out of the ordinary. But me and my wife, we prayed, and this is what the Lord told us to do. Now, if we're off, just tell us that we're off, and we'll just walk away and won't, won't even have recollection of this conversation. He said, God told us to bless you and your family, but not to give you money. God told us to pay off one of your debts. He said this, he says, we have agreed to bless you guys with $7,500 to address a debt that you have. Now, the amount of debt that we had accumulated during this time was much more than $7,500. Watch this. Because we entered into agreement I mean, after I wiped away all the tears and began giving God all the praise, the next day, I began calling the creditors. One creditor, we had uh, racked up about $14,000 worth of debt. And I said, listen, I want to take care of this. Would you be willing to settle this debt for lesser amount? He says, well, let me go and talk to my boss. He went and talked to his boss, came back to the phone. And he says to me, so are you saying that you're willing to take care of it like today? I said, we want to take care of it today. Let me know what it is that you would be willing to accept. He says, well, can you give us $6,000 today? I said, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I'm biting my tongue like, well, this is the biggest one. I'll just put the whole 75. And, he, he's, and so I'm like, yeah, I think we can do 6,000. <laughs> Pay that off. And then I went down my list. I called the next one. That person we owed a little over 5,000 to said, well, can you do it for for 25, no, 23 and some change. I said, I got 15. He said, well, 23 is, 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 is the bottom because of you, it, that's well over 50%. Said, well, yes. And because God had moved, I called that person back and said, listen, was able to take care of the first one. We got $1,500 remaining. 
We want to take care of this one. It's going to cost us a little bit more, but give me time to save it. You hold on to the, to the other 1500 Give me time to save it. We raise, I mean, save that money. Why? Because we, we had agreed. We had agreed that this was going to be our focus. This is going to be our purpose. Save that money and we're able to pay it off. Pay it off. Now, now, here we are, ready to close on our home. We put our home up. Let me just tell you how God works. And I'm not saying this to be boastful. I'm, 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 I'm sharing my life as a testimony so that you can know and understand that if the God who is no respecter of person is able to do it for little old me who messed up time and time again, guess what baby? He's able to do it for you too. He's able to do it for you single mom. He's able to do it for you senior citizen. He's able to do it for you couple if you just enter into the power of agreement together. Psalms 133 says, he says, he says, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Later on down in the chapter around the third verse says, for that's where I've commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. We put our house on a market on a Monday. We need to find a house, but this whole process was contingent, meaning we needed to sell a house in order for us to even go out and start looking for a house. Watch what God did. Put our house up on the market on a Monday. We had 45 showings in 48 hours. 45 showings. After all that traffic in and out of my house, we couldn't go home until late after all the showings were done. I said, enough is enough. We, cut it up, we shut it down. And we ended up having 22 offers. I ended up, we, we, we ended up going back and recounting. We had 22 offers on our home. Every last one of them above asking price. Again, not boasting, I want to show you how faithful God is when you apply and align yourself with his word. Accepted an offer, we'll be moving to close on June the 12th. After, after that, after this, because that was, okay, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we reviewed all the offers on that Wednesday night, and then we accepted the offer. On that Saturday, we was like, well, now we got to find some place to go. And normally most homes or, or, or sellers were not taking contingent offers. They want you to have cash in hand or, or, or already be, so we were already pre-approved, but we needed, but we were able to take a signed purchase agreement. And that acted as good enough for them. And we found literally, literally a beautiful home that we'll be moving into, all because of God's goodness and his grace. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. He will do it for you. But I, but I, I promise you, you got to align yourself with his word. Then you'll flourish. Not only alignment, but let me tell you some impact. This is another reason why you want to flourish. It's to have impact. Let me just say something. You can't give what you don't have. 
Flourishing allows you to have greater impact. Alignment, impact, and then lastly, longevity. Here's the reason why you should flourish. It's for longevity. Because guess what? If people don't stay planted, they don't flourish. It's simple agriculture. You put a seed in the ground, guess what? If you keep going back and digging that seed up, guess what? It's not gonna, it's not gonna, it's not gonna break, it's not gonna germinate, it's not gonna bring forth the bud, the flower, or the fruit. Are you hearing me say amen? amen. If you're with me, shout amen. amen. So you gotta ask yourself, am I in position to flourish? Come on, say that, am I in position to flourish? Let me show you this. Go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Y'all know me. I love to stay in the book. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. Oh, you got to see this. And if you don't have it highlighted in your Bible, you're going to want to highlight this after you get done reading this. Whoo, this is powerful. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Watch this. Listen to what it says. But blessed, whoo, everybody want to be blessed, don't they? Blessed just simply means happy. I mean, happy is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It does not fear when the heat comes. Y'all missing what I'm saying. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worry in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The old saints used to sing a song that says, I shall not I shall not be moved. I shall not. I shall not be moved just like a tree planted by the waters. I shall Anybody want to be like that tree planted by the waters? I'm telling you. I'm telling you this because it works. It works. Six questions. Six questions that you want to ask yourself. First question is simply this. Am I planted? <laughs> Am I planted? Am I planted in the house of God. Question number two is, how easily can I be uprooted? Whew. Question number three is, can I take the heat? Figuratively and literally. Because I know it's hot in here today. I feel you, Tim. I feel you. We're going to get this thing under control. 
We're doing the very best that we can. Thank you all for being so patient with us. And trust me, it's not anything that, don't, don't you dare think for a moment that someone is misusing the tithe and offering. That's not the case. This is just an old 1947-year-old building that we got to work some things out and get some things under control, but our team is on it, and we're going to make it happen. Seems like every time we shut it down for the, for, for the winter, when we get ready to shut it back on, something is going on with it. But the devil is a lie. Or Aladdin or whoever other heating and cooling is just going to be in here. <laughs> See, I, I had to catch myself because it's so easy to always put stuff on the devil. They ain't got nothing to do with the devil. It's got an old system that we got to get fixed. That's all. Loose your hope. Rebuke you. <laughs> Stay down. All right, here we go. Am I planted? How easily can I be uprooted? Can I take the heat? Because let me tell you something. Sometimes, yes, it's not going to feel good. You're going to come in here and you're going to be like, oh, why is this happening again? I don't why did, why did the leader of my ministry talk to me like that? Why are they bringing correction to me? I mean, I'm volunteering. I ain't got to get them all. I ain't got to get them all my time. I mean, I'm a, they ain't paying me. I'm a volunteer. And they're trying to push you to a place of excellence so that when people come in here, they understand, man, they care about me there. So yeah, the heat will come. Yes, yes, oh you volunteer. Why? Because we want to show you that the God we serve is a God of excellence. Can you take the heat? Number four, is my spiritual life a priority? Is my spiritual life a priority? Because let me tell you something. You are a Christian before anything else. When you became born again, let me tell you something. That supersedes, you know, Alpha Phi Alpha, Me Phi Me, Sigma Gamma Rho. It supersedes your blackness or your whiteness. It supersedes your Puerto Ricanness, your hate. It supersedes all that. When you are a born again believer, that's the priority. And just as you make sure that you do all that you can to feed your natural body, you ought to do all that you can to feed your spiritual self as well. If your spiritual life is a priority. Let me move on because I'm almost out of time. Number five, am I ruled by the seasons? Am I ruled by the seasons? See, you cannot be ruled by the negativity that, uh, of a season that you might find yourself in. You cannot be ruled by the season of negativity. You cannot be ruled by a season of dryness. Question number six, final one is this. Is fruitfulness a lifestyle? Is fruitfulness a lifestyle. Let me tell you something. Giving and serving is a lifestyle no matter how you feel. No matter how you feel. 
I'm going to say it again. No matter how you feel. <laughs> My pastor told me years ago, he said, listen, there are two times that you should praise God. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. That covers the gamut. <laughs> because, yeah, sometimes I may not feel like it. But I got to serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And I guarantee when you begin lifting him up, he'll lift you up. No matter how down or how in the dumps you may be feeling, when you begin to lift him up, he'll lift you up. Let me give you this one last scripture. Go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 17 through 19. Watch this. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Tim, this is for you. Because this, this is your book. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. He says this. Command those. Are y'all listening to me good? Command those who are rich in this present world. Watch this, not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share in this, somebody say in this, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life. Watch this, I love this part. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let me give you this very last point. Because I, I wanna show you the four distinct attitudes or levels of involvement in the local church. And it really spells it out right here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19. Four distinct uh, I call them attitudes, but we'll say levels because I don't want you all to get it misconstrued. But, but I mean, at the end of the day, it really is an attitude. It, it really is a mindset that we have when it comes to our involvement and engagement, our participation in the local church. Are you with me? Say amen. Because each level builds on one another. The, the first level is that orange level, that big level. That's the level of enjoyment. We come to church, how many people love RT? I love this church, I don't know, how about you? I mean, I, love, I mean, that's the big level, level of, I, I love coming, whoo, that Lisa can sing, she can sing, she knows she be hopping around that stage and she be singing. I love that worship team and that music, boy, I tell you, that music is like no other. I mean, they come and they stay at this level of enjoyment, that's the big level, that's the big broad spectrum. 
Thank God for them, Tim. Come on, let's thank God for our worship team and our musicians. We enjoy it. I enjoy it. We love it. You know, we enjoy what is offered here. Then the next level is the level of servanthood. Notice the sphere gets a little bit smaller. So sometimes we move, a lot of us stay in this level of enjoyment, but then some of us pass through the gate and we move to the level of servanthood. Then there's this level, this gold level called the level of generosity. And see, it's important that we call out the fact that just because you serve, that doesn't take the place of you giving. Because see, I used to be caught in this mindset too, like some of us, where well, I'm giving my time. I'm tithing my time. That, that's the enemy trying to trick you out of your blessing. Seriously. And then this last level, willing to carry the load. There is, most of us here, whether we're in corporate America, but the same is true in the church. It's called the 80-20 rule. Out of 100% of the people, the load really gets carried by 20% of the people, while the other 80%, they stay in this level of enjoyment. 20% gets divided between level of servanthood, level of generosity, and willing to carry the load. 80% of, 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 of church memberships across the country, these are just proven stats across the country, 80% of the church stays in this level of enjoyment. While being in the level of enjoyment is good and we, we want you to come, we want you to enjoy. Listen, I'm always, and we're going to talk about this, talk about this next week when I bring a message uh, called The Problem Solver. Help Wanted, The Problem Solver. Because a lot of times, y'all just don't understand, the, the things that I will focus on when I come through those doors, I want to make sure that the church is clean, floors are spotless, and that our time together in worship is an enjoyable time. That when we come together and we greet, that there's a warm atmosphere of love in the place. Those are the things that, that's on my mind because, because I know how it feels when, it, when those things are not a priority. So I prioritize, I'm monitoring those things. I'll talk about it more next week because it can't just be on me. And I have discovered I have to get this stuff off my chest and let everybody know so that now you have a, now, now that you know, you now have a responsibility to lean in and do something about it. So that's why I'm not, I, I'm not yelling at nobody. <laughs> I'm not, because I knew we needed to have this moment in time where I share my heart. 
Because as we're building this church, we got to build on the same level. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I love you. I love this church. But we got to move a good number of our people from this level, that, that big orange level, that level of enjoyment. We got to get you all to take that next step. Now, based on our history, with what we normally do, I would have a big altar call and say, how many people are ready to go to the next level and go into the level of servanthood, level of generosity, willing to carry the load? I'm not going to do that today. Because here's what I want you to do. You got to get this in your spirit. I challenge each and every one of you this week. You get on YouTube for everything else. Go to the Revival Tabernacle YouTube page and listen to this message over again. When you see somebody who's not here, send a link to them. Tell them to listen to it. When the podcast goes live on, on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, go on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher in, if, 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 you're, if you're a Google person and, and, and listen to the message again. I'm not trying to have you listen to the message because, because I'm so great or I think I'm so, no, it has nothing to do with me. This is where we are as a church and this is where we need to begin to understand where we are so that we can move together. We're moving together. We just came out of a series entitled Stronger Together. Now, it's not by happenstance. This was strategically thought out because we have to move our church together. So I'm done. Everyone stand. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.